no matter how good you are, no matter what degree of black belt or dan you might be in any martial arts, if in the moment you freeze and you're unable to physically act, it doesn't matter how good you are. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. G'day, this is George Free, and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Dave Friedman. Uh, Dave Friedman, he's going to do the official good intro, but uh, he's from Krav Maga, Australia, and something we're also going to talk about today is LiveSafe, which is their, uh, their company based on personal safety and working with corporates and schools. So welcome to the call, Dave. Thanks, George. Really appreciate you uh, having me on. Yeah, cool. So this is actually the, this is the first time I actually have a South African on the guest, uh, well, a South African guest on the podcast other than myself, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so now there's two accents that people won't understand. Two accents, and I mean, we, we're not as good as the Kiwis, you know, because <laughs> apparently we're second best in the world. I, I don't know how that stat works. Um, and I don't know why the Kiwis got it. It's not like they already have the All Blacks, you know. They have the All Blacks, <laughs> and now they've got the best accent as well. So, but anyway, so right. I hope, uh, so, yeah, so I hope you can, uh, you can decipher the two accents. Well, I guess you're used to one, so now you've got two. Awesome, Dave. So um, thanks, thanks for being on. I, I guess just to kick off, you know, if you can give sort of a bit of a background, just a, I guess also your background all the way from South Africa, how you ended up in Australia, and then what you do in the martial arts space. Sure. So um, I'm from Cape Town in South Africa, which is the good part of South Africa. I grew up doing judo as a, as a kid. I represented my province, which is the equivalent of my state, up until about the age of 10. I then actually took quite a break from martial arts. I focused on soccer. I played soccer at quite a high level. And about the age of 18, 19, I got back into martial arts through Muay Thai and through Krav Maga. So I trained quite a lot of Muay Thai. I competed in a few uh, tournaments in South Africa, in Cape Town. And at the same time, I was also training uh, Krav Maga. I've been teaching Krav Maga since 1997. So 22, 23 years now, more so as a, uh, on the side, it wasn't my main uh, professional form of income up until about a year ago. I moved from Cape Town to, to Melbourne in 2008 with my wife. Most reasons, obviously just uh, crime was on up in South Africa, um, also more so for education in terms of starting a family and uh, just wanting our kids to be in a better education system. I've now got two boys, both born in Australia, a nine year old and a six and a half year old. They both train at my Kramaga school with me as well. So the bigger they get, the more nervous I get. Um, and yeah, so been yeah, been in Australia, um, now teaching Kramaga full time. Um, and as mentioned, we've got, uh, we've got two companies. So our first company is called LiveSafe Education. Um, and that does most of our work in schools and in corporate or businesses, where we teach uh, a, a spectrum of, self, of self-protection or personal safety, not just self-defense. 
And then LiveSafe Education also owns a Krav Maga dojo called Krav Maga Australia. There we have about 120 students currently growing. We, we've owned Krav Maga Australia for seven months and we've doubled the student base in that time. So we've gone from 70, from about 65 to, to 120 in seven months. Um, and still growing, which is, which is great. Um, we run kids and adult classes there, 11 sessions a week. Um, and then during the workday, we, we focus on the schools and the corporates under the LiveSafe banner. All right, awesome. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack here, um, and I might have spoken a bit about this, but uh, because, you know, we've, we, and we've got listeners from, uh, from the United States, from New Zealand, uh, a, lot, a lot in Australia as well. Give a bit of context. I mean, like, I mean, it's always good for me to say, you know, Australia is great, but, uh, um, you know, for different reasons that other people might see. And I think, um, you know, when you people live here, uh, it's easy to complain about minor things, whereas when you come from a different perspective, you, you, you see things with different eyes. Um, sure. What, what is your take? I mean, how, how, how different is it for you living in Australia uh, versus South Africa? Very different. You know, in, in South Africa, I think the difference being in South Africa, crime is literally or can be around the corner at any time. Um, whether you're at home, whether you're out having a coffee or having a meal, walking in the streets, there is a 24-7 concern of crime. And therefore, as the average person growing up in South Africa, you have this 24-7, um, always a level of concern. Um, you know, if you talk about... Um, Cooper's cover code of situational awareness. Uh, he was a, a sergeant in the American Army which came up with uh, th these cover codes. He speaks about code white, yellow, red, and black. Um, code white being we live in just, we're just oblivious. Your situational awareness is, uh, is almost at zero and you're unaware of what's happening around you. Um, and that's how many Australians live because thankfully we can afford to live like that. And that's one of the reasons why we live here. You know, in South Africa, everybody is constantly in a code yellow at least. And, and, and code red at certain times. So you, you never fully relaxed. You, you're always aware that at any time something can happen. When you stop at a red traffic light, you're looking for someone coming to carjack you. When, you, you, when you're getting out your car, you, you, know, you park in a spot, you first look up, you make sure there's no one close by, then you get out your car. Every part of your life in South Africa is governed by the constant threat of crime. Um, and although you know, the, the concern or the worry about crime in Australia is on the up at the moment, it's still nowhere near the levels of South Africa. And unfortunately, well not unfortunately unfortunately, but your average Australian is more often than not in that in that code white in terms of level of situational awareness, which does make them more vulnerable or prone to becoming a victim of crime, whether it be a very low level crime like a mugging um, or having something stolen or something more severe. Whereas what we do at LiveSafe is just try and give people some very basic strategies and techniques without affecting their daily life, but just where they can be close to that code yellow, particularly um, in transitional spaces where they're more prone to becoming a victim of crime in order to keep themselves safe from both the physical but also the psychological aspects of becoming a victim of crime. Yeah, cool. So we're gonna, we will definitely dive a bit deeper into that. I was speaking to one of my friends the other day and, um, and now that you bring this up, it's sort of, and, and I, I don't know if I'm accurate in, in, in stating it this way, but you know, something when, when you grow up in South Africa and you talk about the situational awareness, it, it, it is a different thing. And I know, I know it took me a couple of years to really drop my guard until they broke into our house last, you know, in the end of last year. Now that situational awareness is right back where it was, but it's, it's a different type of way of life. As you say, you're always assessing, you're always judging, you're always looking, why are you standing there? Why are you doing this? What's your intention? Yeah. You always try to summarize 
a situation. And something that, you know, when, when, we, when I grew up in South Africa, you'd never hear of things like you hear in Australia of like a king hit, you know, where people get punched and they, they just die, you know, they die. And I've always thought about that, like, is, is that just because, well, I mean, our news just didn't report <laughs> that level of crime, which also is a, you know, a whole other story. But partly, you know, the discussion came about, is it, is it that when you grow up, grew, grow up in a situational, or in a, in a country where crime is not that on the forefront, that a king hit catches you that off guard that you actually stumble down and, and die. Whereas when people are more situational, aware of the situation, it's less likely to happen. What's, what's your thoughts on that, Dave? Correct. You know, I think, again, you know, in South Africa, because you, and again, one of the reasons why we left there is because you have this natural level of um, aggression, concern, suspicion, and that's your base norm to anybody you meet or see almost until proven otherwise. Well, I think in Australia, your base norm is that everyone's a good mate and a good bloke and, you know, just wants to have a drink with you. Um, and therefore, you know, the person who, who is on that extra level of aggression, whether it be mental health, just personality, drug-induced or alcohol-induced, people, it is, it is an assumed position. So yes, you know, somebody can, you know, you're walking out of a club and you bump shoulders with somebody. In South Africa, you naturally both turn around and you kind of make sure that, that there's no escalation and then you turn and leave. Okay, you don't think about it, you keep leaving and the next thing the person you bumped into turns around, just king hits you from behind and you're taken completely by surprise because the average Australian doesn't think that that's actually a possibility to happen. So they're not aware of it, so they're not, taking that extra step to maybe just look over their shoulder and just look at the reaction of the person you bumped into as, as innocent as it may be before actually determining that, yes, there's no concern, yeah, I can carry on walking. And, and small things like that. We're not saying you need big, impactful things to your life. But if you do bump into someone by mistake, just look over your shoulder, have a half a second look. Even if you smile, put your hand up and go, sorry, mate. It doesn't affect your life, but it just gives you that, that ability to, to make a quick analysis. Is, is there something going to escalate here that I need to maybe take some sort of preventive action, or can I just carry on? And it's, it's half a second, but it can make a big difference, as you've, as you've mentioned. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well let's, let's dive a bit more into, you know, um, something we, you mentioned before we spoke, um, which, is, which I found kind of fascinating as in a differentiation in the definition of what you do, where, you know, most, uh, most people approaching corporates go the self-defense aspect and they promote their schools as, as, as self-defense. And you've chosen to go the opposite, which is personal safety. What's the reason behind that? Right. So n- number one, again, obviously just with my background, um, growing up in South Africa and having you know, these natural uh, intuitions, what I never said earlier is that when I was working professionally before teaching Krav Maga, I was in, uh, in the security environment and, and particularly sort of high level counterterrorism security. And you know, again, even when, you, when you're consulting on, on counterterrorism, you're not consulting on what to do when there's a gunman inside your venue. You want to know what, what can you do to prevent the gunman getting into your venue in the first place. You know, it's that avoidance and prevention, which is much better than the cure. So I take that, my learnings, that analogy from counterterrorism, combine it with my, with my self-defense skills, and now I teach what we call personal safety. So we've come up with what we call the live safe model of personal safety, which talks about avoidance, prevention, effective escape. Um, and that's what we teach to people. So it's not just about self-defense. Yes, we need to learn how to punch and kick and defend ourselves from, from being held or grabbed or whatever, but we never ever want to use it. So on one hand, I strongly believe in learning self-defense because the confidence you gain from learning self-defense is very often enough to ensure that 
you don't become a victim of crime because knowing you can defend yourself, you naturally portray this aura of confidence that, that doesn't make you an easy victim. But even before that, we want to talk about avoidance and prevention so that we never have to even think about self-defense in the first place. So I can see that, that on each of those quickly. Yeah, when we talk about please. avoidance, so avoidance we talk about making safe decisions in the first place. So that could be something as simple as you're getting ready to leave the workday, it's you know, 4.35, 5.30, sun's down, you've got a 20 minute walk to the train station, it's dark. Before you leave work, just lift your head up and ask your colleagues, is anybody else leaving in the next few minutes? If someone leaving, is someone leaving two, three minutes, hang back, take the three minutes, walk together in a group. It's just safer than walking by yourself. You know, you're going for an exercise run or a walk in the mornings or the evenings when it's dark, you have an option between a dark, unpopulated park or a well-lit, populated streets, take the well-lit, populated streets. It might not seem like the, the best choice at that time because you're late, you're urgent, we're all gonna rush somewhere, the three minutes through the park is, is quicker at the time, but it's not the safe decision. So the safe decision, we talk about avoid potentially dangerous environments altogether. Stay in a group, stay in the wilderness areas, no matter what might seem pressing at that time. And the way, I, the way I talk about it is, always think of the two extremes of either choice. Now, hopefully you never come to any extreme, but if the extreme is something happens to me the, to the park and it's still being five minutes late, I'm in hospital, versus staying in the populated area and I'm 15 minutes late, never mind five minutes late, which of those two consequences would I prefer to deal with afterwards? And I would hope to think that being 15 minutes late is an easier consequence to deal with than being in hospital. And, and as I said, dealing with not only the physical, but also the psychological aspects of being involved in a crime. So that's what we talk about avoidance, making a safe decision to avoid a unsafe or a potentially dangerous situation altogether. Under prevention, we talk about if you can't avoid an environment altogether, at least have increased situational awareness that will allow you to make an early decision. So, and that can be simple things. Again, these things don't have to impact your life. It can be just listening to gut feel. So you're walking down the street, you see three, four guys walking towards you, maybe you can see by body language, you can see they're maybe a bit intoxicated or affected by drugs, alcohol, mental illness, whatever it is. And you know, you just get that, that intuition, something doesn't feel right, I don't feel safe. Why walk past them with the sense of saying, oh, I hope they don't hurt me? Just cross the road, walk into a shop, let them walk past you. Just make a safe decision, an early decision, to avoid becoming a victim of crime within an environment that you can't necessarily avoid altogether. But you cannot make an early decision without situational awareness. So, and obviously the biggest killer today to situational awareness is our smartphones. Um, you know, when we walk in looking at our phones, we, we need to understand that we have zero to no situational awareness at that stage, and we are more prone to becoming a victim of crime. I'm happy to talk about this further. I can talk a lot about this, but um, you, you yeah, can no, be no, no, or not. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, and, and yeah, uh, so and, the and, last and, and, one, and then effective escape means that if I'm either about to be or in a situation where I become a victim of crime, then it's about an effective escape. And that word effective escape is very important because if I'm by myself and I, you know, I back my, my martial arts level and I'm by myself, I'm pretty fit and active. I know that if someone's trying to attack me, maybe I can give them one kick or one punch. I can slow them down for a few seconds and I can turn and run and get to safety. But if I'm with my six-year-old kid, I can't run so fast. So maybe one little kick and running away, what am I gonna do, leave my six-year-old kid behind? My mother-in-law, maybe we can discuss that. But my six-year-old kid, no. <laughs> um, and I make that joke, my mother-in-law's listening, it's just, just a joke. <laughs> um, 
but 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 again, Love you, mother <laughs> you know, if you're with your wife, if you're with your partner, if you're with your mother, if you're with your kids, you can't run so fast. And the last thing you want to do is is pick up your kid and run, but be chased now and be caught by a, a potential criminal. You know, three, four, five hundred meters later, when you're exhausted and now you can't fight, and now you've got to deal with the fight. So. That might take maybe one, two strikes, three strikes, four strikes. It might be, you know, putting him on the ground and sitting and sing on him until the police arrive, until backup arrives to, to assist you. But that is your effective escape because running may not be an option for you, depending on your environment, who you're with, how far you are from a safe venue. So escape has a major, has a whole range itself. It could be a distraction technique. It could be throwing something behind him and you running in the one direction because you're by yourself and you're a good runner. But it could be full, you know, full strikes and techniques and everything else to, to go to, you know, to full restraints on the ground because there is no other lesser way to escape. So it's an effective escape is a really important aspect of that. Love it. That's awesome. Cool, Dave. So a, a couple of questions just steering towards our, our business owner listeners over here. So um, live safe. And now I really like how you how you define the personal personal safety aspect. Is what what is typically your foot in the door with corporates, and how do you go about approaching them? Thank you. Yeah, um, thankfully a lot of corporates are now coming to us, which is obviously great. And what's interesting is they come to us for one of two reasons: either because they have decided there's a need for to increase staff wellness, and 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 more and more so, staff well-being and staff wellness is becoming a bigger priority for companies. Um, and that's obviously good for us. And that involves both companies assisting their staff with mental wellness as, as well as physical wellness. And one impacts the other, you know, um, and we can talk about that as well. So sometimes there's a company that says, we want to do this for our staff, whether it be as a general concept. Um, it might be, um, we did a session last week as a, uh, the company was having a staff wellness week. And so as part of the staff wellness week, they brought us in for one session, you know, along with what other, whatever other activities they did for their staff in that week. We did a session for the Suzanne Group, which is quite a big uh, retail clothing group um, with the head office in Melbourne. And there, that actually came to us because their staff are 97% female. And their staff approached the manager of HR saying, we don't feel safe walking to or from work. Um, is there something the company can do for us or facilitate us doing some sort of um, training? And the company then um, researched a number of self-defense companies that came across us. And again, that, that put, they phoned a number of companies, but we're the only company that actually brought in for an interview and ultimately got the work, purely based on the fact that we're the only company that spoke about the overall model of personal safety and not just self-defense. Um, and I think that's really important that what companies want. They don't just want to know that their staff can punch and kick, but they want to know that their staff can avoid becoming victims of crime through non-physical strategies and techniques that they can implement. And, and obviously, you know, it has a, a range of benefits to, to staff members. Confidence, empowerment, physical confidence also helps with mental well-being and, and, and mental confidence. It shows that, you know, it comes with loyalty to companies. You know, if Staff know the companies are looking out for them. That they build loyalty amongst their amongst their staff members. And certainly, we ha- it has a, even though it's not primary, it has a really good team building aspect. When you have a number of staff from different divisions, different levels of uh, of seniority, all doing something for the first time, I don't know who's who. I don't know who's the janitor, or who's the CEO. I just see face, you know, faces in front of me, and suddenly they're all doing something at the same time. And our sessions are very fun. If you look at some of our videos, there's there's always laughter and they're enjoying it. It's serious, but we learn it in a fun way to make sure that our, that, that, our, that our participants enjoy being there. And obviously, if you enjoy doing something, you're always more open to learning 
more of it. And we get a lot of positive feedback about how our sessions help increase general team building, staff engagement among staff that maybe work in slightly different divisions or, or departments that don't ordinarily talk to each other, but suddenly now in the coffee room, they have something common to talk about and laugh about the next day or the next week. So that's kind of a side benefit for, for our clients as well. That's, that's awesome because, I mean, you, you, you're touching on so many aspects there. I, I guess it comes down to the whole, you know, sell them what they want and give them what they need. You know, because most people, right. in, in, like, in, in my mind, I'm, you know, because we do a lot of uh, Facebook marketing for schools and, you know, just general marketings and campaigns and coffee. And, and it, it's like different exercises and things. We, we got a group we call Partners, which is a, a group of school owners I work work with and we're always sort of testing different ideas and things and you know you're talking I'm like in my mind I'm thinking of different approaches that really <laughs> go well but I mean you know like I think the typical approach for a school owner would always be you know can your staff defend yourself you know you know can they, can they defend themselves but let's face it you know a lot of that that brings up a lot of resistance in a lot of people because ah, oh, I don't want to fight I don't want to punch people I don't want to you know that it could be that whole mind mindset that whole frame of thinking whereas you know does your does your staff feel safe walking home at night is a whole completely different story how you would combat that is the same avenue but how you define it is just sets it a whole different Correct. tone absolutely and again what we do you know i mentioned the example of walking down the street and just you know seeing a group of people who make you feel uneasy and you you know you walk into a shop across the road you know or asking some staff members before you leave you know is anybody leaving soon these are very simple basic things which which you know, they don't affect or significantly affect your life in any way. And everyone, you know, you say it to people and you, and you can kind of see the, the the bills going off at the top of their head going, but that's so simple. But it is simple. Yeah. And, and security doesn't have to be rocket science or, or personal safety isn't rocket science. It's just a matter of having having someone put it in your head. And these are things that can be very easily implemented. You know, I, I talk a lot about, um, obviously, in Melbourne, there's a lot of trams. Um, and there's a number of incidents across Melbourne where people get um, attacked or, or sexually abused or whatever on, on trams because very often, you know, you're on a tram with a group of people and if you, towards the end of the tram stops, um, very often there's, you know, a woman in a situation where they're one-on-one on a tram with one other passenger. And if you read all the case studies, again, all the time they say, yes, the, pas- the passenger, he made me feel uneasy, it was the way he was looking at me or maybe, the, you know, I could see he had mental health issues, the way he was talking to himself or shouting or swearing or even getting angry and engaging with other passengers. So then, as the tram's getting emptier and emptier and emptier, again, if, you have a, if your head's not buried in your phone, but you have a situational awareness of going, I can see that he's, not is, but potentially, or has the potential to become a problem, don't wait for a problem to manifest itself. But if you can see that the potential is there for it to maybe, and not definitely, but maybe become a problem going forward, don't put yourself in a situation where either something may happen, or even if it doesn't, if you feel vulnerable, no one deserves to have a feeling of vulnerability. So as the tra- you know, after looking off the tram, make an early decision. When it's getting down to just three, four of you left from the tram, get off early. Doesn't matter if it's three, four, five stops prior to your stop. Don't be in a situation where you're one-on-one on that tram, just in case you are that point zero 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 one percent of the person who might be attacked or abused. Now, you know, to you it's nothing percentage. But tell anybody who is that 0.00001% yeah. how they feel, and it's, it's their 100%. You yeah. know? <laughs> so get off the tram early. Wait, another, wait for the next tram. Be 15 minutes late. Take an Uber. Spend the extra 10 or 15 $20, whatever it is. But it's, a, it's an early, safe decision to make to avoid a situation, even if it's not guaranteed, but potential. Why be there? 
why, why even the possibility of becoming violent? Get off two stops early, three stops early. You know, find another way home. It's, it's, there's enough options out there for you. Yeah. It's, it's just having that situational awareness of, of being able to, I call it analyze, evaluate, and act. Analyze your environment, analyze the situation, analyze what's happening in front of you, make an evaluation, threat or no threat, danger or no danger, danger, potential danger or no danger. And once you made that evaluation, then act upon that and make the safe, responsible, early decision under that, that act. So we talk about analyze, evaluate and act. Awesome, love it. So just quickly before we start sort of wrapping it up, if you had advice for any school owners that would um, think, all right, well, you know, they want to start running uh, self-defense type programs for different corporates in their area. What, what is, what, how would you go about starting the whole journey? Um, I, I think, I think you know, similar to what we do at LiveSafe, um, and obviously our actual self-defense teaching is around the Krav Maga model and, and through our Krav Maga Australia school, but don't just think of your, your striking, your punches, your kicks, even your, your releases from, from chokes and holes and that kind of stuff as, as personal safety. That, that's an aspect of it, but also think of everything around it and what value add you can give to people. Almost unsell your own product. So I want to teach you self-defense, or I can teach you self-defense, but more importantly, I want to teach you how to never have to use self-defense in the first place. Because if you're involved in a fight, somebody's going to lose. Somebody gets hurt, it's as simple as that. In a fight, somebody gets hurt. You just hope it's the other person less so than you. And even if you win the fight, you might still get hurt. And there's still psychological um, effects after that as well. So it's a matter of what can we do beforehand to avoid ever having to be in a fight, but also what can we do afterwards you know, that effective escape means running to safety. Well, how do you define what is a safe place to run to? Or why are you walking? Are you, are, are you constantly reassessing what is the nearest safe place for you? Is it an open shop? Is it uh, your house or a friend's house that might be nearby? Or if something were to happen now, where would you run? So there's this thinking in the moment. Um, the more we can just have it, you know, sort of front of mind or just in our subconscious, generally, the less thinking there is. And we all know when, when the actual event happens and the adrenaline dump hits and stress levels increase and heart rate increases, our ability to think and make judgment calls becomes harder and harder. So the more we plan for these and prepare for these, the easier we are to make a safe and responsible decision in the moment. But it's also about avoiding that moment. And, and also, again, what we focus on in both very much in our Krav Maga Australia school, um, whenever we teach techniques, we don't, we don't only um, talk about the physical aspects of a, of a street fight, but we also talk about the psychological aspects of a street fight. So as owners, do your research. What happens to the body when, when you experience an adrenaline dump? What are the effects that you have? Things like the, the elevated heart rate, the tunnel vision, the auditory exclusion, the, the time slowing down, etc. What actually happens to the person and how can we train to counteract those things? It doesn't matter how good you are at any martial art. You know, people ask me, What's the best martial art in the world? I'll say whichever one you train the most. It's simple, whichever one you train the most, whichever is your muscle memory and go-to, that's the best martial art, as simple as that. But no matter how good you are, no matter what degree of black belt or Dan you might be in any martial art, if in the moment you freeze and you're unable to physically act, it doesn't matter how good you are. So we also have to train the psychological aspect of you know, not making sure we, we don't go into that freeze mode and we are in the fight mode, that we can fight. It might be a psychological fight or a mental fight, but we have to train our students in how to realistically understand and cope with what might happen to them in a street fight, in terms of them talking about their personal safety when they're not inside the gym, and therefore 
so they can deal with the psychological aspect in order to enable their physical training to actually be useful in that moment. And that to me is a lot of surprise drills, high heart elevation drills, etc. So we do a lot of work. So we'll train techniques in our, in our gym. For example, we might train a technique on a, a choke release, whether it be someone's got one hand or two hands around your neck and they're choking you. We go through the technique, we train it slowly, then we train it a bit, at a bit more of a faster pace, and then we'll always do a surprise exercise. So eyes closed, and you don't quite know exactly when that choke's gonna come on. Or we make we turn the lights off in the dojo, we make our students just walk you know, it, it around the dojo with 10, 15, 20 other people on the mats, and at some point, one of them suddenly gonna just put the choke on them. And it's a matter of trying to deal with that element of surprise and how quick they can go through that, analyze, evaluate, and act loop to get to, to, get to action, have a, a good quick reaction and get out of it before they get into that freeze mode. Love it. Dave, that was, that was really good. That was really helpful. I mean, such, such a lot of cool little one-liners and snippets from this, from this interview. Um, if, if people want to, if somebody wants to hire you or, you know, if you, you know, perhaps uh, get your advice on this, um, how can people get, get hold of you and how should they get in touch? Uh, thanks, George. So, yeah, so we, we do have the, the two websites. So for LiveSafe, the website is uh, is livesafe.org.au. And for the Krav Maga Australia, it's um, Krav Maga Oz, so K-R-A-V-M-A-G-A-O-Z.com.au um, are the two different websites. Or uh, on my phone number, 04-0424-184-618. And again, as you say, it would be nice if anybody wants to sort of hire us as a client. But again, I'm... Um, Unfortunately, my passion for teaching personal safety outweighs my passion for business. So I'm more than happy to offer any advice, any tips that I have, both to other school owners or just to, um, to, to members of the public. Uh, don't be shy, give me a call. I'm more than happy to offer whatever knowledge and assistance in whatever way I'm able to add value, um, more than happy to. That's awesome, yeah, and, and, and if you're listening and you've got great value out of this and it's you know, spearheading you know, perhaps a, uh, a portion of your business that you've been trying to get going, yeah, do, do just reach out to Dave, even if it's just to say, hey, thanks, thanks for the tips, and uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. Awesome, Dave, thanks again for, for being on. Look forward Thank to you, George, to appreciate to you, you having me. Yeah, great. you're welcome. Thanks, George, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and good to, good to have a, a, a similar sounding accent on board. Yeah, absolutely. It, it means I, I a lot. Like I, I could be at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, awesome. Great. Speak soon. Great. Thanks, George. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and in there, I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow, and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community, and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. Uh, there's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, request to join and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.